When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. We find ourselves on a sunny day in southeastern Italy. And we're strolling through the streets of San Giovanni Rotondo, a fascinating town that sits nestled among the sprawling natural beauty of the Gargano National Park. Founded in the year 1000, this place was originally intended to be a center of worship to the god Jupiter and Janus. But the millions of people who flock here every year do not come for an ancient Roman god. They come to this town for two reasons. Firstly, for science. This is the home of one of the finest and most advanced scientific research hospitals in Europe, with cutting-edge technology making breakthroughs in modern medicine. But they also come here for faith, because this was the home of one of the most well-known Catholic saints of recent times. As you step into the coffee shops, bars, and petrol stations of this town, you'll see his picture hanging on the wall, a kind-looking bearded man in a monk's habit, Yet if you were to look closer at some of them, you'll see something unusual. Shocking, even. Some of these pictures depict the friendly friar holding up his palms, and in the centre, you will see blood-soaked wounds. Because this monk was perhaps best known for living a life marked with uncanny supernatural acts, including the strange stigmata, the spontaneous marks or holes that apparently appear on the body and replicate the wounds of Jesus on the cross. His name was Padre Pio, and his remarkable life has made San Giovanni Rotondo a magnet for Catholic pilgrims. Every year, millions of people flock to this place to file by his body, which is on display. And despite being dead for well over 50 years, he looks rather well. 
like he's simply sleeping. Visitors can also see where he said mass and where he lived and slept each night, and the room in which he lived and died can also be viewed. Some of his books and clothing are still visible. So the town is known for both science with the hospital and faith with Padre Pio. And you might think that these two topics are mutually exclusive. And yet in San Giovanni Rotondo, they are inextricably linked. Because Padre Pio founded the hospital here. And it was funded by donations that were partly inspired by these so-called supernatural acts from his life. And so for millions, the man on this coffee shop wall is a symbol of piety and the tantalizing mystery of faith. But to others, he was a fraud. Whatever the case, what is crystal clear is that he transformed this Italian town to an irresistible beacon for those seeking both medical science and interested in the paranormal aspects of faith. It's an unusual combination, but one I think that's worth exploring. Well, I'm Peter Laws, and today on Hometown History Europe, we explore the complicated life of a man who may well have died in 1968, and yet his legacy continues today and stretches way beyond this pretty Italian town. Meet Padre Pio, priest of the supernatural. We start our journey not in San Giovanni Rotondo, but in another Italian town. It's about 150 kilometers to the southwest, a place that Pio always said was very dear to his heart, Pietrocina. Now, this small and quaint-looking town is perched on the hills of southern Italy, and from it you can take in breathtaking views. And yet most of the people who come here today are looking in and not out. They are flocking to the childhood home of Padre Pio, and the church in which he was baptized. Pio was born here on May the 25th, 1887, though back then he was known by a different name, Francesco Foggioni. He had an older brother and three younger sisters, though two siblings of his had died in infancy. And his family were peasant farmers who were very devoted to the Catholic Church. And so, it turned out, was their new son. Because even at the age of five, little Francesco was already declaring that he would devote the rest of his life to God. And as his childhood continued, his spiritual life did not diminish at all. In fact, it became more and more dramatic. As a child living in this town, he would sometimes lapse into a strange state of religious ecstasy. A kind of euphoric trance where he claimed his awareness of the spiritual realm was rapidly expanded. He said that he could see spiritual beings like guardian angels, and even claimed to have spoken with both Jesus and the Virgin Mary as a child. Interestingly, when he shared these experiences with others, he was surprised at their reaction. Some were amazed, some were concerned. But he was shocked, because as a kid, he always had just assumed that everybody could interact with spiritual forces like this. Clearly, he started to learn that this was not true. And he started to wonder if he may be specially gifted in some way. Though some of us might not be too keen on a gift like this, because he also shared negative spiritual experiences too. He said he would have frightening attacks that he claimed came from demonic spirits. He said they would sometimes appear to him as gruesome animals, particularly as an ugly black cat. And after these attacks, he would be left bruised and bleeding claiming that these diabolic forces had beaten him with chains. 
As well as these more shocking religious features, his life was also said to be surprisingly pious for a boy of that age. He was strongly devoted to God and deeply religious. He served as an altar boy at the local parish, but he would also practice self-denial and take on what's called penances. These were punishments that some believers inflict on themselves to express repentance for sin. At one point, his mother scolded him for sleeping on a cold stone floor in self-punishment. Since his family was so poor, Francesco had to start working from an early age, and so he spent some of his childhood years working as a shepherd for the family's flock. All of this work, however, took him away from school, which meant he started to fall behind the other children academically. He was also a very sickly child. When he was six, he had an attack of gastroenteritis, and at ten, he contracted typhoid fever, but he pushed through. And his striking religious experiences continued, and they started to shape his sense of calling. And so in 1897, he told his parents that he would become a monk. His parents agreed and took him to a religious order just a few miles north of this town to see if their boy could join. And they saw potential in him, but they said that he needed to catch up on his education first. The family were clearly convinced that this was indeed their son's destiny. So they hired a private tutor. Now, tutors are expensive, particularly for a family like theirs. So to pay the cost, his father, Grazio, traveled abroad to work as a laborer. And he could earn more money that way and send it home to fund his son's classes. And so Grazio worked in Jamaica for a while. But he did most of his work in America, namely in New York, in Long Island, and a place called Flushing. It's one of the reasons why so many American believers, but particularly Italian Americans, have a sense of connection with this man, Padre Pio. We'll hear more of that later. But yes, it was the work that was done in America for American companies that ended up funding the education of Padre Pio back in Italy and paved the way for him becoming a monk. In 1903, Francesco was finally accepted by the friars. And now, age 15, he began his religious training. And he entered an order of friars called the Capuchin. Now, does that remind you of anything? Ring a bell? Well, let me explain. You see, the Capuchins were known for wearing long robes with a pointed hood hanging down the back. And yet the brown color of this robe actually went on to inspire one of the most well-loved coffees in the world. When the Italians first mixed espresso with frothy milk, they could see how similar it was to the colors of the robes of the Capuchins. And so they called it, naturally, the Cappuccino. The Capuchins were renowned for their missionary work amongst the poor, as well as taking vows of poverty. And a young Francesco was ready to take on this challenge. He joined the order and was given a new name, Brother Pio. But illness was never far away. He'd been a novice priest for only about a year or two before he became extremely unwell. He couldn't digest anything unless it was milk or cheese, and so he was sent home to his family in Pietrocina to see if that might do his health some good, and he could study for the priesthood from home. And the strange supernatural incidents from his childhood were still happening at this point in his life too. For example, during this time, Brother Pio went into one of his religious trances, which wasn't particularly unusual for him. But this time, a witness claimed that they saw him levitate while he prayed. Now, you may think details like this are either real or indeed imagined or just made up. 
But the point was, it was ideas like this that just kept adding to the reputation that this was a mystical priest in touch with the supernatural powers of God. In 1910, he turned 23 and was then ordained as a priest, but due to his ill health, he was allowed to stay at home for a while. But then, when it reached 1916, he was told that he would have to now start living in community with his fellow priests, and so he moved to the Gargano Mountains where we began, in the town of San Giovanni Rotondo, which at the time was simply known as an agricultural town. He would remain here for the rest of his life, Yet he did work away during this time too, because, of course, between 1914 and 1918, World War I was raging. And so Padre Pio was drafted in to help. He joined the Italian Medical Corps, and yet ironically it was his ill health that eventually led him to be sent home. Back in San Giovanni Rotondo, the peculiar supernatural events would continue. For example, he would sometimes make prophecies that others said had really come true and it was said he could heal people with just a touch. In 1919, for example, a 14-year-old boy came to visit the friar, but his back was painfully twisted from typhus. Yet after confession, Padre Pio supposedly put his hands on the boy's back, and the boy stood, and all deformity had gone. That same year, a 62-year-old man fell from a carriage and broke both of his legs. There was nothing to be done, and so he was given two canes from the doctors to enable him to walk. But when he met with Padre Pio in confession, the priest said, Stand up and go away. You have to throw away those canes. And he did. And it said he walked out of that church by himself unaided. And so people started to talk about how this priest had these sorts of powers from God, a conduit for miracles, and that he could even read the mind of other people. This was a gift that supposedly helped believers become radically honest in the confession booth. And these curious occurrences were one thing. But it was on September the 20th, 1918, when Padre Pio experienced the frightening supernatural event that would define the rest of his life. The Stigmata. He had just celebrated Mass when he said he felt very sleepy indeed. And he felt at peace, but then he wrote in his diary about how he had a vision of a mysterious man standing before him. Only this man's hands, feet, and sides were dripping blood. Pio would write about this incident later and would say that this vision of this man terrified him so much that he thought he might even die, that his heart was pounding, almost bursting out of his chest. But he said that God intervened. And yet, when the vision disappeared, Pio looked down at his own body, and this is what he wrote. He said, I became aware that my hands, feet, and side were dripping blood. Imagine the agony I experienced and continue to experience almost every day. He'd felt aches in those areas before, but this was something else. This was more akin to what St. Francis of Assisi supposedly had in 1224, He was the first well-documented case of stigmata, and here was Padre Pio experiencing it now on a daily basis. He didn't know what to do. Should he tell other people, or would it just go away? It's even said that for a while he was embarrassed by it. Yet he also wrote about how it was a spiritually enriching experience. He described the stigmata in his writings as both, quote, a lovable and painful, end quote, experience. 
It was even claimed that the blood from these wounds smelled of flowers and perfume. Well, word started to get out that Padre Pio had this strange gift, and he could hide it no longer. People flocked to San Giovanni Rotondo. Some who were devoted, and some who were plain curious, others who were suspicious and understandably skeptical. A string of doctors studied his wounds, including some that were specifically hired by the Vatican to check him out. Some suggested, in the doctor's reports, that he might have had some sort of skin necrosis, but other doctors, in their reports, said they were baffled and could not explain the wounds, or indeed the strangely pleasant fragrance, or how they sometimes formed a cruciform shape on his skin. Unsurprisingly, Pio became a popular talking point at the time, and you might think that the Catholic Church authorities would be encouraged by the newfound interest in the faith, and yet his popularity was also a source of concern in the Vatican. So much so that, for a while, they restricted Padre Pio's interaction with the public, and Pio seemed very willing to oblige. Yet by 1934, the Vatican had changed their views on the friar, and started to allow him to perform his public ministry again. Indeed, Pope Pius XII actively encouraged people to go and visit the priest with the stigmata in San Giovanni Rotondo. Claims of miracles continued throughout Pio's life. For example, in 1947, a priest supposedly visited the Padre. His name was Father Karol Wojtyla, and as he sought counsel, Padre Pio prophesied that this young priest would eventually take on the highest role in the entire church. He did. In 1978, when his name was changed to Pope John Paul II. Now, John Paul's secretary actually denies that this ever happened. But whether it did or not, you will still find this detail shared over and over again as yet more evidence of Padre Pio's miraculous gifts. It's also said that in 1962, this future pope wrote back to Pio to ask him to pray for his Polish friend who was suffering from cancer. And the friend, very soon after, was completely healed. As well as these more paranormal stories, or perhaps because of them, Padre Pio was able to generate a great deal of money, which he used to open the hospital in San Giovanni Rotondo. On the 5th of May 1956, Casa Solievo de la Sofrienza was opened, a hospital which basically means the home to relieve suffering. Today, it's considered to be one of the best and most efficient scientific research hospitals in Europe, with extensive technology and research facilities, including the use of artificial intelligence and robotics to help patients with their daily routines. With a thousand beds, it's huge and it serves almost 60,000 patients a year. And it has turned San Giovanni Rotondo from what was once an agricultural town to a hospital town, as well as a faith town. Despite Padre Pio's huge financial investment in healthcare for others, his life continued to be affected by illness. He had cancer, for example, at one point, and arthritis. But it was in San Giovanni Rotondo, his home, on the 21st of September 1968, which was almost 50 years to the day that he first received the stigmata, that Padre Pio became extremely tired. The day after, on September the 22nd, he still carried out a mass to a very large crowd of pilgrims. But it would be his last. Because early in the morning of 23rd of September, he made his final confession, and then he died at 2.30 a.m. in his San Giovanni cell. His dying words were apparently this, I see two mothers, which are thought to mean that he saw his own mother and the Virgin Mary. And on his final breath, he said the name Maria, 
which is the Italian name for Mary. He was 81 years old, and 100,000 people flocked to his Requiem Mass. Yet despite his death, his reputation and popularity continued. In 1982, 14 years after he died, the Vatican launched an investigation to decide if Padre Pio should be made a saint. It proved to be a very long process, but on the 16th of June 2002, they decided yes, he would be, and he was canonized. The devotion to the friar therefore continued, particularly now that he had been made a saint. And so on the 3rd of March 2008, the body of Padre Pio was exhumed from the crypt that he had lain in, in San Giovanni, and then he was put on display at a special shrine in that town. And he is still there now. If you were to wander past this shrine today, you would probably think that after being dead for 40 years, his body is in remarkably good condition. His face, however, is actually covered with a lifelike mask made of silicone. But it's definitely supposed to be him there, dressed in his brown capuchin, habit, holding a large wooden cross, the inspiration for his life and all of those wounds. Even though he was now dead, reports of strange happenings continued, with some even claiming that the Padre had appeared to them long after he had died. Remember I mentioned Long Island earlier in New York? Well, back in 1997, doctors there found a tumour in a man's colon. His name was Anthony Funia, and doctors removed, surgically, half of this tumour, and a biopsy was taken. And Anthony was nervously waiting for the results when he picked up a hitchhiker. It was a bearded man with a white baker's uniform. And after chatting, the man offered to pray for Anthony. And when he did, Anthony said he felt a surge of electricity through his body. He had this strong sense that he had been healed. Well, I'll leave it to you to decide what you think. But Anthony ran home and told his wife that he had just met a truly holy man. Well, later on, the doctors gave Anthony good news. His tumor was benign, but they would still have to remove the other half that they hadn't taken out yet. And the night before the surgery, Andrew said that he felt a strange pulling sensation in his body where he had been operated on. And then at the surgery, the doctors were shocked when they opened him up. The other half of the tumor had vanished completely. Later, his daughter is said to have shown him a picture of Padre Pio. And when Anthony saw this, he said, where did you get this picture? That's him. That's the man I picked up in the car. Padre Pio even cropped up in the Amateurville Horror Case, a famous and disputed haunting that happened in the 70s on an ocean drive house in Amateurville, New York. Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, on which the Conjuring movies are based, were called into the Amateurville house after a series of intense paranormal activity were reported. Lorraine Warren said that she carried a relic of Padre Pio into that house, and she said in one of the rooms, Padre Pio actually appeared to her. It's even said that he appeared on a photograph taken in the house, and before her death she claimed to have one of those photographs at home. Then, in 2002, a statue of Pio in Sicily was said to be weeping tears of blood. And so the mystery continues even after his death. And today this man still draws millions in pilgrimage to this hospital town on the hills of Italy. And he is now one of the world's most popular saints. Did you know he's even the patron saint of stress relief and the January blues? This was done to honor Padre Pio's famous advice that he would often give when he said, pray, hope, and don't worry. 
which is quite a remarkable thing for someone to say, a man who went through regular bouts of ill health, bizarre and painful religious experiences, and also the suspicion of many, including the church, who took him out of action for all those years as they investigated his claims. Was he truly a man who was gifted with the miraculous? Well, there are those who would say he was nothing of the sort and even claim he was a fraud. In 2011, a book came out by an Italian historian called Sergio Luzzatto. He claimed that the so-called wounds of Christ on Pio's body were nothing of the sort. He said that he had found documents in the Vatican libraries that said that the monk had put in an order for some carbolic acid. He strongly believed that Pio used this acid on himself to cause the stigmatic wounds. Others have testified that Pio did buy a little bottle of carbolic acid once, but that it was to help some young boys who were suffering from the Spanish flu at times and needed injections. The acid was used as a sterilizing agent. Yet despite these claims and counterclaims, nothing seems to make much of a difference to the heartfelt devotion that is shown to Padre Pio today, where thousands still flock to not only see him lying in state, but to see anything related to him. I remember being in Rome just a few years ago, and I was visiting a Capuchin crypt. They have a museum attached to it, and as I was walking through it, I noticed a relic of Padre Pio, a white lace cloth preserved in a frame, and it seemed that anything that had touched this man, people wanted to see for themselves and be near it. But the center of the Padre Pio universe is without doubt the two hometowns in Italy, his birthplace, Pietrocina, but then in particular, San Giovanni Rotondo. For the religious, San Giovanni is a town where spiritual miracles and wonders can be found. For the non-religious, it's a hospital town where medical and scientific miracles and wonders are discovered. But both of these are a direct result of the life and work of the son of a peasant farmer who walked the dusty streets of his town as a five-year-old, knowing that his life would somehow be defined by what he claimed was the power of God. Millions today, including popes, venerate this farmer's son as being what he said he was, and he is seen as one of the most famous and remarkable saints of recent times. And you will find him today lying in peace in this bright and important Italian town. And presumably that's where Padre Pio will be for centuries to come. Though, after hearing some of these more supernatural stories, who knows? You might also see him hitching a lift at the side of your street, ready to pray a blessing on you. Well, I'm Peter Laws, and you've been listening to Hometown History Europe. Goodbye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.